Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the MetaWords Podcast. Today, I've got a nice, short, sharp intro because we are so keen for you to get into this conversation. Joining us today is Mr. Asher Packman. Now, Asher has got a super interesting backstory and many, many facets to his life. And today, he joins us as the president of Meditation Australia and the founder of the community Warrior Within. Both organizations doing some absolutely incredible work in this mindfulness space. Asher is just one of those people that you could listen to for days. And we certainly gave it our best shot in this chat because he joined us for quite some time. So settle into this one because it's absolutely worth a listen. Here at the Men of Words podcast, we are incredibly grateful to team up with Mosh, providing a convenient, discreet online platform for men across Australia to seek help for the typically taboo topics, hair loss, sexual health, skincare, and psychology. Make sure you check them out online at getmosh.com.au to start your health journey or at get.mosh on Instagram. This is the Men of Words podcast where little conversations can make big differences. No, we were talking, I had a, um, yeah, I've had some inconsistent, I had a, to, to do a couple of medicals for work in the last few weeks and yeah, got some pretty inconsistent height uh, measurements, which I'm really devastated about because one's above six foot and one was below six foot and I just oh, no. really want to be six foot. Yeah, that's the gold, that's the golden stat in the mark, right? <laughs> that, that's pretty much what makes you a professional athlete these days. You can't hit six foot. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> Game over. That's it. I'm, I'm very heightest. I think, you know, six foot, that's a professional human, isn't it? Not yeah. a professional athlete. <laughs> They're fully grown. They're cooked. They're, they're fully right. cooked. <laughs> well, I, I definitely oh, won't goodness. say how tall I am. Yeah, <laughs> so if you want to jump off, Murph, it's cool. We'll, um, we'll have a chat up in the, uh, up in the, the higher elevation. Mate, it's all, all tongue in cheek. I'm just, um, I got, I got, um, bullied no end at school for being uh, being tall so um were you tall early asha like did you jump um, up early i was pretty tall i did have a growth spurt but i was you know i was definitely above average all the way through but then i shot up mm-hmm. um when i was about 16 or 15 yeah yeah but, so it was good I, I was playing a lot of tennis at the time I mean, my, my trajectory was i wanted to be a tennis player yeah back in those days um six foot six as a tennis player was pretty unusual now now actually that's small yeah, there's some monsters on tour at the moment, isn't there? There's yeah, big I, so yeah, I feel like the human race has just become um, nimble at that height. Mm. Like back in my day, six foot six was ungainly, and you know, <laughs> and now you know, you know, you got people running around the midfield that used to be rucks. Yeah, do you think exactly. they just wear out quicker, like being that height and like have being being made to play? that way because i wonder that as well i mean it's kind of like the days of the Maybe. tall forward and the small forwards you know say afl for example yeah kind of done with it's like everyone's you know kind of mid you know low six foots and it's just unbelievably yeah. athletic it's kind of crazy yeah they maybe they do wear out more i don't know yeah it is incredible you look at someone like a um a paddy cripps yeah. yeah something like that i mean he's bigger than ruckman used to be and he's running around in the in the middle Maddie Richardson and Nick Rewald effect, I think they call it. Just those two that were should have been Ruckmans traditionally and they yeah. incredible centre half forwards that could cover yeah. the whole ground and run on oh, the I reckon wing. it's I reckon it, it was Kuda Fides. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, that's Kuda. A good call. I reckon yeah. Kuda was the one that Game changer, broke the yeah. mould. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm. Ah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm this, on the other, this is the yeah. footy podcast. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking footy with our yeah, Triple right. M podcast. Thanks it's for joining us, Sasha. <laughs> Uh, Asha, uh, you can probably see 
on the screen, I'm Liam. That's Michael. Um, we go by Murph and Muff. Murph and Muff, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Poor fella. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, it ties into you his, want to roll with. Yeah. Ties so, into his surname. One so of the uh, one of those uh, just uh, delegated nicknames from youth that managed to stick around. Asha. <laughs> what is your surname, brother? Michael. Mumford, actually. Oh, Mumford. Which, yeah, for the longest time was a really uncool surname. And then we got a little bit of band movement, yeah, a couple of that little AFL action. And it's all of yeah, a sudden, man. like, I was rolling. Cool last name. It's all the thing now. It's it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, didn't get the Mumford height, unfortunately, for the, uh, for the old well, Ruckman. The, you got the musical talent, though? Yes. Oh, I mean, look, I will say no. Murph will say yes, because he's constantly <laughs> pumping up my tyres and I love him for it. Mm. But, uh, yeah, maybe m- much more musical than sporty, I'd say. So, yeah, let's, we'll jump in that camp. <laughs> there you go. Take it. I don't mind those guys, actually. They can, they can play a tune. Now, M- Michael's the, the blessed one that's just good at everything. So oh, okay. He just is one of those. He'll say he's no good at a few things, but he's mm. just one of, those, one of those amazing humans. Tell you what he's really not good at? Taking compliments. It's taking compliments because he yeah. hates hearing this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is that? We can get into that about men. It's funny. Yeah. We're, not, we're actually not much good at um, accepting praise. Oh, it's yeah. It's just a default setting for so many people, I think, isn't it? That just like mm. to jump straight in. And I feel like it's such a contradictory thing because in so many ways, like you go around seeking that praise and recognition for the thing that you're doing. But then as soon as you get some of that, it's like, Oh no, I actually can't handle this. I don't want to borrow this. <laughs> well, you know, I think part of, let's um let's blow that out to the macro level. Look at Australian culture. What do we do to people? You know, we're the greatest at cutting down tall poppies. So Yeah, I know. Um we do it at a we do it at a cultural level as well. And then maybe if you bring it back down to the individual, you don't want to get there because you don't want, you know, you see what happens to people when they reach those heights in, in Australian culture. Yeah. hundred percent. Like that has to have some effect. It has to. You know, we've been really lucky and have chatted to like a couple of fairly prominent musicians just over the last few weeks. Um, Australian musicians that have like spent a lot of time in in the US and Mm. just like that concept of like the tall poppy syndrome just really isn't a thing over there. And it just doesn't, it doesn't like, it's not a thought process. It's not a like, it's not necessarily that everybody is overwhelmingly happy for other success. I'm sure there's competitive people with competitive natures and all and the like, but nothing on the scale of like what we see it over here. And I think it's something that they recognize in their, the entertainment industry at least. Yeah. Pretty frequently, which is crazy, mm. you know? Man, it's so interesting. I wonder where the etymology of that phrase tall poppy comes from, because it might be connected back to the second world war, I, which would be even, which would be even weirder. Yeah, I, I've thought that often. I think I remember in high school vaguely, this is testing my memory here, but looking into Tall Poppy and I, I reckon I stumbled across World War Two links. So yeah. I reckon you're on the money there. Mm-hmm. Cause there is the act of like yeah. like in, in the like or like I guess the the blown out version of that saying is like the tallest poppy in the field is the one that will get cut down. Yeah. Mm. It's funny that they, you know, you could say that with any crop, but we've chosen poppy. So I, I think, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think, I think Liam's right. He might have stumbled across it there when he was younger, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's got something to do with opium. <laughs> yeah. Never know. Oh, apparently, it helps you grow, doesn't it? <laughs> Some of the best ideas in uh, in human history probably circulated a little bit of uh, that sort of stuff. So no, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Asha, we're uh, yeah, very very grateful to to have you on board, mate. It's been. Uh, been a long time coming from our end. We we spoke it to has. 
Josh, uh, Josh Peterman a, a little while back now, and, and he spoke nothing but praise for yourself, mate, and um, very excited, yeah, very excited to get into this one with you, mate. Oh, yeah, great. Look, I've been following your work a little bit and, you know, um, listened to a few and, um, yeah, you know, maybe I was secretly waiting for the call up. <laughs> <laughs> Josh is a good man and, um, you know, um, yeah, I'm really pleased that he, that he sort of um, threw me forward as someone to chat to. That was a pretty formative chat for us, wasn't it, Murph? I remember Definitely. that was one in like the depths of lockdown and he was still in the UK at that point and they, I think they were sort of... You know, heading in that trajectory as well. Like it was pretty, you know, like right in the depths of of last year, which was obviously, you know, such a tough year for so many reasons. And well, for one reason in particular, I guess. And yeah, that, you know, just something to do with the time difference. I think it was really quite late at night for us, Murph. And Mm, yeah, just for whatever reason, that being in the depths of that lockdown was one that just really hit hard. And yeah, he's just been someone that we've been so impressed with everything he's done since even, you know, to date his all his advocacy work for the arts and how hard that whole industry is struggling and just being mm. such a vocal being such a a face of of you know of that fight is um yeah just endlessly impressed with uh with mr Pitterman. so yeah and mm. it's an, it's a super interesting thing because you know to be for us to be chatting with you asha is like it's super interesting to meet the people that are inspiring the inspiring people if that makes sense and I would definitely put you in that category, and I'm sure Josh would as well. It's like, it's kind of, yeah, it's, you know, it's like, what music did the Beatles listen to that informed the Beatles? It's like, you go back and listen to the music that the Beatles listen to, and that's where you like, that's where you start to pick us, pick some things up, I think, you know? Wow, man, you're setting the bar pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably find me really boring and stale. <laughs> that was probably a pretty grandiose example. I apologize to my old <laughs> man okay. who's a big Beatles fan. He's probably going to take that one to heart, but... <laughs> I'm actually a pretty big Beatles fan myself. It has to be said. Good to know. I mean, hey, there's a, there's a few out there, I guess. <laughs> there is a little a little exercise that I want to do, and I'm going to put a little scenario out there that probably links a little bit closer to my profession of being a teacher. And Asher, I'm going to talk to you as if I'm your principal, and I'm going to ask you, Asher, that again you're here in the principal's office. You've been sent here, mate. What did you do this time? <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Um, wow. I need some thinking music for that. <laughs> that's, um, that's firstly, I'll say, um, I'm glad you didn't, I, I did a TEDx talk last year and, um, it was pretty nerve wracking. I have to tell you. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. There's it, obviously it's... a bit of weight behind the, uh, even just the like, yeah, that, that as an organization, as a, yeah, yeah there's gotta be a bit of like gravity behind that name I yeah guess. there is it was actually um i don't know if it was better or worse and i'm not trying to avoid the question liam i'll That's get back right. to it I'm I'm but, um, but the but the the um it, because it was during lockdown it was actually done um um online uh, of course and so like you knew it was just it was quite a weird experience mm. to be doing something of that gravity but doing it from your own home you know like they gave you a, a ted backdrop and all the stuff and um and but it sort of felt I don't know. It was a strange feeling. You, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. I could almost, you know, the way I see it is the world of Zoom and on online presentations now, you lose a lot of you losing a lot of that face to face interaction. Obviously, so the 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 thrill and the buzz that you get from presenting in front of people in person, and you know, feeling their warmth and feeling their angst and feeling their connections and disconnections to what you're saying, it's almost like it's not there. Yeah. For me, I know. 
when I'm, you know, if I'm teaching online, I don't feel the same as when I'm teaching in person with 20 kids in front of me. So mm. yeah, that resonates. Yeah. It's like I, I finished and then it was kind of like over. Yeah. So then it was yeah. pretty now flat. Yeah. It was like, Oh, I'll just go to bed, I guess. It was kind of like that. Yeah. But yeah, look, in terms of um, um, the principal's office, you know, it, it's funny because as soon as you say that my mind goes to, to the fact that, you know, um, most of my life at the moment is kind of taken up with homeschooling my my seven-year-old you know mm. so i'm sort of mm. you say that and i sort of automatically think of, of him him of me at that age or something like that um but probably if i was going to be brutally honest um around that schooling thing it's probably um letting him get away with too much at the moment and um and and you know getting straight into the into the vulnerable side of it i'm i'm feeling a little like um I could be a better father, mm. you know? And so if there's anything in the principal's office, it's probably around, around that at the moment. Um, you know, maybe he's getting a bit too much screen time. Maybe he's, I'm not giving him as much as attention as I'd like to, because, you know, you just got so many plates in the air, you know, 100%, and it's yeah. just me and him during the day. There's no one else, no one to giving me the chop out. And um, I mean, his mum's fantastic, but she's not, we're not in the same house. Mm. So he's either with her and then she's got the same issue as me. It's a hundred percent of the time. Um, just the two of us, you know, or, or it's the other way around. And um, yeah, I'm probably um, probably in the principal's office for uh, something around that. Maybe I'm swearing too much around him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting myself right there, not at him, but around him. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, I, I appreciate the uh, yeah the the openness and and the vulnerability to share that. I know I speak as a on the other side of the screen as a teacher. Um, and, and the work that parents are doing to, to juggle a professional life and, and their family life and their student or their child's learning is, it's a, a monstrous effort. And the fact that we're still doing this 18, 20 months later is mind boggling at best. But yeah, mate, I, I, I can tell you that any work is brilliant work with your child, mate. And it's a, it, it definitely makes a lot of difference to them to know that, that they've got dad and mum on their on their case and, and helping them out i think this this latest um lockdown has is i think some some parents that i speak to um it's it's getting pretty tricky and they've almost a lot of them sort of throwing their hands up in the air and mm. the education thing it's like just what you said like i'll do the best i can but i'm, I'm not going to beat myself up anymore but it is the standards definitely lowering i know that um you know jack didn't didn't want to do much um yesterday and we ended up um we have this game at home called um flicking chickens brilliant <laughs> it's it's like four rubber chickens that you throw at a target so you put the target anyway okay. you know so we basically had the the world championship flicking chickens for most of the day yesterday so i'm not too sure what he learned <laughs> hey, 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 during I'm, that process it's perfect i'm a i'm a pe teacher so i'm i'm celebrating here because that's hand-eye coordination yeah. that's fundamental oh, motor right. skills you, you're ticking all the boxes for the pe curriculum so well there you go so you got you got to look at perspective asha that's brilliant stuff i'm already feeling better for being in the principal's office now it's that's all right very okay. friendly principal i'm sure yeah, yeah. no <laughs> no thank you for sharing asha michael i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it to you mate because I know the principal's office was not somewhere that you were used to visiting, and well, I speak from I mean, some experience. <laughs> yeah, well, well, well I, don't, I don't know how how well that'll hold up to a fact check, but <laughs> I um, there's a flag already underneath. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. there's going to be a big conversation. 
That's right. Um, no, I think in the in the interest of my intelligence levels through uh, at primary school in particular, I'd say I'm probably in as a repeat offender for something that I did more than once. And I think my least successful heist crime that I tried to commit was uh, guessing my grade four teacher's password to get into like the school intranet, like back when computers were just getting into schools. This was before password safety. This was like me and my mate Rodney Doyle sitting there and we're like, oh, what's her dog's name? And it's like, oh, it's, you know, it's Fluffy or something or other. And the password was obviously Fluffy got into a computer, like sent an email to another teacher and then got busted <laughs> somehow. Like they obviously had security enough to work that out. And uh, yeah, that was that was a solid principal office visit back in the day. So yeah, I don't think I would have learned from my mistakes. I think I'm back for exactly that again. <laughs> oh man, at least you're at school in the days when there was no password security. I was at school in the days when there were no passwords, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Just for, yeah, just for some kid standing on the other side of the door being like, what's the password? <laughs> Brilliant. It. I love it. Thank you, gentlemen. Good way, to, good way to break the walls down a little bit and just, yeah. Let's get into it. We, we mentioned just prior to, to that little exercise about your love of the cold water and, and breathing, so maybe that's a, a nice place to, to dive right in. Um, Pun intended. Yeah, I like that one. Break the ice, all that Thank stuff. You. He texted me you. about that about five days ago. He's like, yeah, I'm going to. I thought it had been professionally written. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know what, what kind of budget you've got for this podcast. <laughs> That's right. Outsource, yeah. yeah we outsource a lot. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about, um, I guess, your, your journey to where you are now and how you found that passion for a lot of the work you do now with your, the cold water, with the meditation um, yeah, let's go, let's go to town, Asher. Let's let's jump in. Well, you know, we talking about Wim might might Wim Hof um, yeah. might actually kind of flesh out um, some of the story. Mm, you know, 100%. because um, beautiful. You know, Wim came into my life at a pretty um, a, a lowish period for me. You know, um, I've been diagnosed with uh, blood cancer, and I was kind of like looking around at all the different health modalities and trying to like you know get my life organized to kind of um, deal with with the journey as best I could you know so I looked at nutrition and obviously meditation and things like that and um Wim had Wim Wim kept on coming up on my radar but I I kind of wasn't taking it seriously I don't know how you guys felt I I, I, kept popping up and I was like what what's all this Mm. it's all this stuff with this Dutch guy doing all these mad things you know um and then it was one night um for some reason I ended up flicking on device and and um his documentary i don't know if you guys have seen the vice documentary on yeah yeah it just happened to be on you know and um so i sat down and i and i watched it and just a whole lot of things just clicked into place i was like oh right i i I understand um how this fits into my journey you know and so when that had finished it was pretty early in the morning by the time that finished i just jumped on youtube and googled the breathing and just sat down and did it and just felt felt awesome like felt the best i'd felt in as long as i could remember you know, so the next day I um, signed up for his his ten week course and and went through it. And it's so it turned out that right at the end of that course, um, he was coming to Melbourne. He he was doing those those big kind of extravaganzas yeah. that he does in in um, in the Docklands in Melbourne every mm. once in a while. And it was right at the it was literally within a day or two of me finishing up that like, everything was just clicking into place. You know, mm. and so I went and um, and you know did the thing. 
And um, and I was sitting, I remember I was sitting with my elbows just leaning on the railings, like looking out over the water at the Docklands there. And um, I heard this voice next to me and it was like, nice view. And I turned around, it was Wim. <laughs> and like, obviously, you know, and we ended up having a bit of a chat and I told him about um, my um, the blood cancer and he gave me a few little kind of tricks and ways to kind of manipulate the breathing a little bit, which um, might be helpful. And, and he just... The thing that struck me the most at that point with him was just that he, he just, the fact that he just gave me his time, like right in the mm. middle of this other thing that he was doing. And I really felt like when he was talking to me, that he was talking to me. Mm. Like I really felt kind of, I guess, you know, held in the conversation or something without wanting to sound too strange, but um, that's how it was, you know? And then after that, um, um, just decided to go on a path and, and become a Wim Hof instructor, you know, and just met some incredible people along the way. Um, and that just spending that time um, um, with Wim and, and with those guys, it's just, it, it kind of really changed my life quite a lot, you know? Mm. Um, and I look at some of the work that I'm doing now and I'm still really connected to um, those guys that are in, because that was some of the early days. Um, I'm still really connected to those guys on, on a very deep level, you know? Um, but Wim's whole story connected with mine, you know, the fact, you know, his, that his, his, his wife suicided and obviously there's been suicide in my family. And I just, it just felt really connected, you know, um, and not to mention the fact that once, when I started doing the, the, the breathing and, and being in the ice bath, um, my, um, my blood markers started to change with my blood cancer. Wow. And so I was like, of course I'm passionate about it because I'm kind of like, a living example of, of, of what it can do, mm. you know, and it wasn't like it was going to cure my cancer, but what it did do by, by reducing all the inflammation and all the other things is it just took away a few of those really difficult to manage symptoms. Mm. So it wasn't about so much as being on a, on, on a, on a journey towards um, getting rid of the cancer, but it just, it just increased my quality of life so much. Like it took it from really difficult to manage to, to, manageable it's yeah i mean it's a, a pretty in, intense story if i'm not going to lie you know blood cancer any diagnosis that has the word cancer in it is something that's going to stop everything that you're doing and change your life instantly um how from from the top of my head i can't i can't recall this but how old were you when that uh, when the diagnosis happened, yeah, I was um, about forty. Okay, so you're still, so, um, I mean, fifty-two now. So it's, um, it's you know, twelve years. Yeah, still here. I'm still here. That's the main thing. Um, Incredible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still living with, with cancer. The kind of um, blood cancer I have um, is, is what they call um, chronic progressive. So it's, it's, it's not really, um, doesn't really land in the curable bucket. Um, but at the same time you know, it's, it's not going to knock you off in six weeks. So, you know, as I often I say to people, it's like, if, if I, if I um, put my hand in a, in a, in a bucket of cancers and pull one out, you'd, you'd be pretty happy to get mine. There you go. Manageable and, and to, to some extent, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's at 40 years of, of age as well. I'm, you know, we're about a decade We're we're th coming up to 30 at the moment. So it's, we're still, you know, looking forward to that and thinking that's it's still peak of life age-wise and you know family and and everything as well it's it's a it's a scary time for me to think to look forward and go all right well in in 10 years Liam this could happen to you for example and put myself in your shoes here Asher it's you know you yeah 
work in in terms of work life you're still in the middle of your career and and everything like that was was that what led you to leave the career that you were in and and really go in wholeheartedly in towards the the Wim Hof and the meditation and I mean you've done work you, you work in leadership and mentoring and coaching now as well is that was that what really drove you to flick the switch and and reassess everything it was probably um the last straw in a number of things um which had led to that kind of um moment i guess you know but one of the things i'll say about cancer too it's not um it's not a disease of older people you know no. this is the thing I and mean, I, was, I was actually talking to someone about um blood cancer today and it's really interesting to put things into perspective because obviously there's a lot of numbers floating around at the moment with regards to health you know mm-hmm. yes and it's interesting because now these are in the spotlight um we tend to lose perspective a little bit and um you know just um for example if i look at blood cancer 51 australians get diagnosed with blood cancer every single day wow long before there was any such thing as a pandemic around mm-hmm. 51 every day and of that 51 45 percent nearly half are aged between zero and 14 yeah Jeez. doesn't discriminate so you know we've got to put things and here's and the other kicker is every day 15 australians die of blood cancer it is you know it just points to like how easy it is and i am absolutely guilty of this how easy it is to like for your field of vision to just shrink and shrink and shrink considering all of the external input and then like if that becomes limited like you realize how quickly how quickly you can just like microscope your focus and and are only really recognizing you know one one side or one particular issue i mean you know one uh, in a similar vein i guess actually you know we like on the mental health side of things alongside the pandemic and obviously that seems to be coming more and more and more a part of the conversation in the last little while but it really didn't feel like it was getting any recognition at all through, you know, the, the early stages of the pandemic and, and they're talking about, you know, anticipating and have seen in some places, you know, a rise in, in suicide. And, and again, not in, you know, in, in the younger age demographics as well. Like it is, it is a young person's issue as well. So you I just, yeah, I don't really have a follow-up question, but I, I mean that the, the statistics around blood cancer are pretty scary and, and yeah, I think it really points to how quickly you can shrink your perspective. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, this could go anywhere in terms of the conversation, but you know, where we are right now as a culture um, and particularly the things that um, the pandemic's kind of thrown into the spotlight, it is really interesting because I'm, I'm not going to downplay any deaths. A death is a death and it's always a tragedy right but um at the same time you know we do have to understand that you know um somewhere between 450 australians die every day and that's always been the case and i think just because we've started to look at numbers you know we've, we've started you know and then to me you know there's a lot at play here but one of the things is that as a culture um we've our relationship with death has just completely fallen away mm. um and i think one of the things that's been very much um brought into play here is a need to 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 readdress that and to understand death in its proper context you know and things like you know i mean you know death is not the opposite of life you know and it's not you know we, we, we don't live our life trying to avoid death you know you, 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 your body actually does that and your brain subconsciously all the time you know you, you'd be amazed if you actually stopped in a sort of meditative way to think about how much unconsciously you're in conversation with death I mean, every time you stop at the side of the road and look left and right, you, you know, you're trying not to die. 
and it's the body having a conversation with death all the time and it's just that all of a sudden that unconscious conversation has been brought into your head and now you're conscious of it you know just because we're seeing numbers and we're seeing but the numbers have always been there you know and i'm not suggesting this is by, by no means kind of downplaying what's going on it's just an interesting phenomenon um that you know perhaps if we saw the death numbers 450 460 480 440 every day in the paper and it'd been like that for the last 50 years maybe we'd have a more you know rational response on that side of things you know and again this isn't commentary on what's going on around the pandemic one way or another it's just simply how culture has lost touch with the presence of death and how in actual fact death can be one of our greatest teachers in fact in my mind it is our greatest teacher you know I, um, I tend to i mean how often do you hear you know of of someone losing a loved one and and taking a step back and reassessing their own life and making new choices and and you know yeah you're absolutely right it's it's an interesting perspective it's an interesting concept to to stop thinking about and look into further if that makes sense like you know no, like, you, you have yeah. a relationship you know, like growing up, you see your grandparents pass away you, and, you know, that it hits home. You see, you've, you know, you. unfortunately, Michael and I, we've lost some close mates along the way and, and young as well. Um, and it's, you know, you you start to, I don't know, you start to reassess a lot of things as that comes. And especially when, you know, for for us being 20s, yeah, early 20s and, and losing friends, it really hits home. But you're absolutely right. There's the number, if, if it was there, as a, as a part of culture in, in the media 50 years ago, we'd understand it and yeah, the rationale behind decisions would maybe become a bit clearer for a lot of people. It's yeah, it's interesting. No, man. I, and you know, thanks for sharing that about, about, you know, the friends that you've lost along the way, but here's the thing. And you mentioned it before, you know, you said you hear news like that and all of a sudden you kind of get on the right track with your life and start behaving like a human being for six or seven or eight weeks. But then you sort of fall back into your old ways as it's as death slips back into the background. Mm. And it's not until the next tragedy occurs that you kind of like write the ship for a little while. And the point is, if you can, if you can be present with death on a daily basis, you, you can be like that all the time. Like you don't need these reminders from the universe to come and kick you in the teeth with it. And then you sort of, yeah. you know, and it, and it doesn't mean walking around, with this kind of morbid thought all the time. It's just, it's this, this kind of stoic idea of memento mori, you know, remember death. And um, you can do that in many, many ways. I mean, I've got all these practices that I work with to, to, to keep death you know, present, like even, even a bunch of flowers. And just every time you, you walk past them, notice that each day that goes by, they're, they're dying. And in fact, understand that that's what makes them beautiful. Because if you had a, if you had a jar of, plastic flowers sitting on your table you probably wouldn't feel that sense of beauty in, mm. in your in your heart when you walk past them and the, the, the thing that gives you that beauty is is death that one, that the flower the bunch of flowers is that yeah that got me because I, i'm an i never buy flowers and it's you know like i never i hate buying flowers for people because my thought is why would i give something that is in five days or 10 days not going to be there. You know, I want to, but. That's exactly why. You, you know, know what? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, well, what's the point? That's just throwing away money or whatever. But yeah, at the same time, that perspective of the whole perspective of beauty and, mm. and you know, allowing them, you know, enjoying it 
for example, the peak we spoke about earlier, the peak of your life, the flowers peak of their life is the time you they're picked and and put into a bunch or something. Yeah, it's an interesting perspective. Oh, for sure, man. You can you can play that out in many different ways. Think about a relationship, you know, think you know, even like a relationship between two men like you guys. I mean, you know, one of these days one of you will still be here and the other one won't. Mm. And it's kind of like a tacit contract that you enter into when you enter into any sort of friendship, being whether it's intimate or not. You say, you know, I'll 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 carry the burden when you're not here, you know, or vice versa. And and then it generates just such a power of love between people because you're you're aware that you've only got a certain amount of, of days left together, you know. Um that's the way it goes. You know, there's some lovely lines around that in love. It's like, you know, if if we were never going to die, then I wouldn't feel the need to hold your hand. That's, I'm just I'm just kind of like swimming in this a little bit at the moment, just letting it sink in, Asher. But is that perspective, and I guess you know, looking at the positive side of something like that, of the you know the like the finite nature of everything, you know, the finite nature of relationships and of us as people and stuff, being able to take the positive from that is obviously the the best way to go about that. But I do you think it's something that like I, I'm curious if you have always sort of had that perspective or if you've always managed to like look at that side of things and be able to sort of deep dive and take that, you know, take the the positive message out of something out of all these different situations that we're probably going to talk about because yeah, I I feel like it's something that's practiced. I feel like it's not something that, you know, you necessarily born with well i know i definitely am i guess i'm speaking for myself here but i'm curious about about your experience well you know it's interesting because i don't actually see it as positive or negative i just see it it just is um like i it it was interesting because i said oh michael thinks i'm talking about the positive side of death no i I feel like i'm just talking about death yeah okay um you know and and also the fact that it's not linear it's it's cyclical I, i think it's just um you know maybe to to sort of riff on it a bit further you know um you know, we have this view that life and death are opposites, you know, um, and, and they're not, they're not. And this gets us onto, can get us onto a lot of different topics, I think. Um, but, you know, the opposite of death is birth and, and life contains both those things. Mm. So, you know, if you're going to live a life, you have to hold, you have to hold the, the tensions of, of, of birth and death and your life is simply the arc of what happens between those things. Um, and, and that's what life is. It's, it's basically, um, it's being able to hold the tension of opposites and that's what's not happening at the moment in culture because people are saying, you know, vax or anti-vax mask or anti-mask, everything, everything is divisive, Mm. which is as it should be, but as a culture, we're supposed to be able to hold those tensions and we can't. And that's why, that's why we're seeing everything sort of collapse around us and the divisiveness getting greater and greater and greater um, for inability to hold on to those tensions. And the main tension that we're holding on to is the one between birth and death, you know, and we've decided that um, we don't like death. So what we're saying is we don't like a part of life. Mm. And if you only love something partly, we call that loving conditionally. So that means you'll love your, your life conditionally. And we all know that, you know, unconditional love is really the only way forward. But unconditional love means loving everything. So, you, so in, what I'm saying is, if you want to love your life, you've got to learn how to love your death and love the fact that you die. Mm, yeah. And okay. why not? Why shouldn't you love that? Because 
it should motivate you to do amazing things. It should motivate you to give with all your heart. It should motivate you to be creative and expressive and not hold back and, you know, be in the moment and, and, and notice the beauty of the flowers and, and just really be able to immerse yourself in everything that life has to offer. That's what death gives you. And if you take that away or, or ignore it or brush it under the carpet, those are the things that you lose. I think maybe that's what, what I was interpreting as like the positive side of it. It's not necessarily like the way that, you know, that death is a concept and death is part of what we're talking about is the positive thing, but maybe like what a better understanding and a better appreciation for the, the tension between, you know, between birth and death, what you do with that can be the really positive thing, I guess. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I'm a little bit, and you're not, um, pointing at exactly this, but I, I get um, a little bit concerned about the positivity pandemic. Okay, <laughs> interesting. All right, no, please. I'm. I'm. This is. You've just piqued my interest. Please explain what's the, what, what. How would you, if you had to elevate a pitch, the positivity pandemic? Because that's a, well, that's I just think concept. that there's 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 too much of a of a focus on saying um, think positively. Okay. You know, um, and you reach a point where um, you, know, you can't tell a person who's in a hole and they're deeply depressed just to think happy thoughts. Um, and I also think that there's um, a lot of benefit in being with your sadness. And so if we keep on ignoring our sadness, we're actually um, missing out. It's a bit the same. It means, you know, we can't hold these two tensions, you know. Um, it's really interesting. And, you know, to give you an example, if if you went into a bookstore today and you said i'm feeling sad they would point you towards the happiness section not that long ago if you went into a bookstore and said i'm feeling sad they would point you to the sadness section and they would say you should explore that explore how you're actually feeling don't try to avoid it and find the opposite so does that make the point that i'm trying yeah, to uh, 100%. yeah so yeah for me we, we live in a society which is all about ascension it's all about going up and expansion, everything from, you know, peak experiences and everything else. Like it's always about up, 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 you know, highs. We're always looking for the next high and, and or the stock market needs to go up all the time. Like everything's about, nothing's about the, the other direction. Mm. And, um, you know, if I go to a yoga class or a meditation class, a lot of times people, if they're really honest with themselves or they even think about it, they're actually coming to float above their problems, not to dig into them. And, and that's, that's really not what meditation is about. You know, that's, that's just bypassing. So if you're driving to your meditation class and you're thinking, oh, good, the teacher's telling me not to think, so therefore not to think about my problems, I just get to float on, on top of them. That's, you, you're not learning an awful lot. You're just not thinking about your problems for half an hour, which is just, you can do that down the pub. That's <laughs> true. Exactly. To end that, the other direction yeah, so that to me, everything up is about spiritual work, you know, um, it's actually the masculine direction, hmm. which is also interesting when you think about it through the lens of patriarchy and things like that. The, the other direction um, down below the earth there into Mother Earth is, is soul work, you know, and that's diving into your discomfort and being with your grief and being with your sorrow. Um, and that's um, into the feminine, into the dark feminine sometimes. And a lot of men, here we are, three blokes, um, don't like that at all. Mm. You know, and sometimes you could even extrapolate that further and say maybe that's where our um, the last 
hundreds and hundreds of years of wanting to destroy the feminine comes from a fear of it because it's into the dark it's into the depths it's into the grief it's into the the nasty uncomfortable shit and and society and culture has told us that you know we must go the other way that's what just think happy thoughts means to me it's a, it opens up a huge huge um pandora's box this is cool this is yeah uh, look ash i i appreciate it man that's a um that's an interesting concept that's not something i guess that's not like a and i think i i fully understand and i and i um, i'm inclined to agree with like everything you're saying about the positivity pandemic but i guess i've just never really thought about it in that perspective and even that probably comes back to a little bit of this decreased field of vision that i that you know i think we've all felt a little bit over the last 18 months is just only having very limited I guess external input seems to be like just causing the same. And Murph, how many times have I said to you in the last 12 months that I just feel like I'm on the hamster wheel for so many different things. And Mm. yeah, Mm. I don't know, maybe running a few Ks on the hamster wheel might not be the worst thing. Well, (laughs) look, man, isn't it interesting that, um, that we're locked down. We're not, we're not locked up. We're locked down. You know, there's even a, there's even a, um, a vernacular there around the fact that we've been, We've been pushed underground. We've been pushed into that exact place that I was talking about where we have to face our own discomfort and face our own shit. And we can't do it. We're losing our shit. We can't do it. We want to be up again where everything's chasing the highs and the peaks. We want to be up again. And, you know, and and I'm not saying up's a bad place either. We need to learn to be able to nimbly dwell in both. And this is what I call the difference between living a vertical life and living a horizontal life. Mm. Because we need to be able to, we need to be able to travel in, on that kind of axis and the, and the pivot point is right in the center of your chest by the way between a horizontal and a, and, a, and a vertical life it's it's your heart you know and for me you know you asked me a question about how i got to where i got to i was living a horizontal life i wasn't connected to the spirit above me and i wasn't connected to the soul below me and i was just looking horizontally at more money everything external of me which could i thought bring me the happiness that i needed you know, on a horizontal plane. So it meant more stuff, more things, you know, a better job title, more money, um, all those things. And, you know, eventually when you play that game, the universe is going to catch up with you. You know, at first it'll be a, a tickle under the chin to say, hey, reorientate yourself. And then it's a smack in the face. And then it's a train wreck if you're still not listening. But, you know, what's a horizontal person? They're asleep. What's a vertical person? They're upright and they're walking on the earth. So, and they're conscious and they're awake. So that's for me was it, you know, and I had, I had a couple of those lessons, you know, back in 2007, my younger sister took her own life. And that was kind of my first um, little indication that something needed to change in my own life. And I say little, it was hardly little, it ripped me in half, but you know, um, it was the first sort of inkling that I got that I needed to look at what I was doing here, you know? Um, and then my mum, who had cancer for quite a while, she reached a point in her cancer that she wasn't able to, um, deal with anymore. And, and she did the same thing as my sister. Um, and then not so long after that, I got the blood cancer. So I had the three things, you know, and, um, after all those three things, I, I, I wound up in a psych ward. So, you know, I had my falling down moment, literally, um, in the streets in Melbourne where I just sat down and couldn't get up again. And, um, and from that place in, 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 at the Melbourne clinic, 
that's where I put myself back together again, but in a totally different orientation to the world. It's a, um, I mean, it's just an amazing trajectory, I guess, you know, especially considering where you are now and all of the weight and all of the, um, you know, all of the belief that you have in, in this side of, of, you know, in the subconscious side of, you know, self-development and, and healing and health, I guess, more broadly, which is, um, which, which is super impressive. And obviously, you know, something that Liam and I can, can speak to our experiences of growing quite a lot in the last few years of, of leaning into, to these feelings and these conversations that are open and vulnerable and, and gaining a lot from them on the back of your, your, you know, the big, your, these big three, you know, huge life events that, that led you to, yeah, to the, the bottom of a, of a pretty significant dip. What, like, what was the, like, did you have any of awareness of this world that you now find yourself in leading at, like at the, at, at your lowest point? Like, did you have some awareness of the benefits of meditation and, and mindfulness more broadly, or was it just a fresh discovery from that point? It was always there. Um, I mean, mum, mum had had her own spiritual practice. She was deeply into um, Kundalini yoga um, all the way up until the end. There's some beautiful stories there, which I could share with you, but yeah, so I, I, it was there, it was around me, you know, um, I obviously spent a fair bit of my childhood in, in, um, in, in Byron Bay and, you know, there was plenty going on there. Um, but again, you know, I could harken back to the previous conversation there a little bit, but, um, yeah, so it was around me, I guess, um, um, I probably wasn't taking it, um, seriously um or sort of felt that it was just um a little playground but not really connected so directly to life if that if that makes sense um so yeah it took all those events to make me real hey you know maybe mum was onto something that kind of thought process in my head you know that maybe this is actually not just um frivolous um that maybe it's connected to a deeper life and a deeper experience of life um that i was i was not fully understanding i mean the concept of being a a life learner and and in engaging yourself in these things and and just continually learning and, and adapting um you know never being on top of it and and in regards to knowing everything and you know you always got to learn lessons how how long do you feel it took for you to be comfortable with all these new you know, ways of life for yourself and, and really feel the benefits of, of stopping and grounding yourself and, and listening to yourself truly. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I still, I'm probably still working on it, to be honest. You know, there's, I have this, this idea that there's kind of like a, a thread that I follow, you know, because there's so many things, you know, there's so many things out there, isn't there, that you can, that you can sort of grasp hold of and do, you know, it's just, uh, we're, 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 blessed in a sense that we have access to so much stuff but at the same time it can be rather overwhelming you know I think if I did if I did all the things that you know I thought might be good for me I'd, that would be all that I'd be doing <laughs> like by the time I'd finished my morning practice I'd be going back to bed again um, so yeah you know um, it for me it's a matter of kind of following this this internal thread that I feel exists sort of runs through everything. I guess you could call it my truth for want of a bit. And, and so I, I investigate all these things. Um, and as soon as the thread starts leading me 
the path starts leading me away from that kind of central thread that I have, I, I let it go. Do you, do you find yourself with, with that thread? Do you find yourself at some parts of time being pulled towards, you know, for example, the, the yoga side of things, um, more heavily towards that side and then feel yourself pulled away and into the other side of another direction as well? Or do you, you know, like, do you encompass it? Do you feel an even pull from each direction? No, there's definitely a dance, you know, and, and you know, I'll go through times when I'm, you know, more heavily invested in one thing or another, but it's a dance. It's sort of, it's like it, you, you know, um, you're constantly sort of shifting and changing. And I think that's, that's the beauty of it, you know, but if something takes me away and I don't come back to center again, then I realize that that's not something for me. Yeah. So it's really interesting. I mean, I feel on some level, I feel the dance as well in terms of, you know, you're going to gym and, and you know, trying to get fit and work out in, in that regard. And then, you know, at the moment I haven't been going to the gym obviously because of pandemic world and um, find myself this, this adventure that Michael and I have, have jumped into with going to the beach every morning and, and having a swim with another mate, Jack, and, and really engaging. And I'm, I'm finding a lot of benefit not, I mean, physically, yeah, but mentally massive. And that, that's, you know, I feel like that's my pull at the moment. That's my, that's where I'm dancing at the moment. And mm. yeah, that's, that's fine. And then there are, there are things that become permanent. Yeah. You know, you might, mightn't be doing it as much, but it just gets baked in. It's almost like, you know, like cleaning your teeth. Yeah. You know, like for me, you know, some form of meditation every single day is, is, is like that. You know, I'm always going to do something like that. Um, it's just, it's just part of who I am now. Yeah. Um, and I, I call it, you know, rather than discipline, I like to use the word um, fidelity. Okay. Because I think that we've sort of misinterpreted, we can misinterpret the word discipline. Like if you go to the gym every single day and you just smash yourself too much, like out of what you think is discipline, that's, that's, that's an abusive relationship with your own body, mm. which you've just called it discipline. So keep doing it, you know? Um, whereas fidelity, it has this, sense to it that it's it's more like being faithful to it mm. you know it's almost like i'm in a relationship with it and therefore it's treated with care you know so you don't overdo things either which discipline can sometimes lead to just you know flogging yourself to death i like that approach because that's definitely something that i know i'm sort of working working through even like right now to be honest is the formation of these you know healthy habits and things that I think, you know, sort of set me up and, you know, for me to, to win a day, if you like, and for me to get to the end of a day and feel pretty happy and content. The the flip side of that is like not ticking every single one of those boxes and having that feeling of like failure. And I know it, sound, it sounds like a strong term, but I, I, I it's exactly how I would chalk it up, you know, and that's a really hard thing to 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 balance i guess for you know if I, I just personally that's something that i've that i've always kind of struggled to to wrap my head around and and like enjoy the fulfillment of you know ticking seven out of the ten things off or five or four or one even you know it's um yeah that's a so yeah and and i mean i honestly had a little laugh to myself when you talked about like the overwhelm of if you tried to do everything that every self-development book recommended that you do you'd need 38 hours in a day every single day and to not sleep like it's just it's impossible to do everything that you possibly should be doing you also have got to live 
Yeah. You know, I mean, the whole reason you do these things is so you can get out and enjoy your life. And, you know, a, a fit body needs to be used. It's not just for getting fit. Mm. Like, you know, you, you get fit for a reason. Yeah. Um, and if you don't allow yourself any flex or any time in your day to actually do something with this vehicle that you've, that you're improving, um, there's not really much point. Mm. Well, it's the end goal. And like, and that's what mm. I guess, you know, and without turning this into a free uh, psychology session for me, Asha, <laughs> but, you know, it's like a little feeling a little disjointed with, you know, like a broader goal, you know, and like, you know, broader goals that, you know, might've been a little more focused pre pandemic and work things being turned upside down the way they are. And, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Yeah. But it does lead to an interesting point and that you, know, you guys are both did you say you guys are both sub 30 just on the door we're knocking at the door yeah 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 well i mean you know i wouldn't be beating yourself up too much for not having a purpose yet no you know i mean i mean I, a lot of men get very wound up i'm talking about men because i work with men a lot but you know it's true across the board that you know if they don't have this sort of laser focus um on their purpose that something's wrong mm. and i can assure you that's not the case I, I, I love that because this is something I've spent a lot of time this year personally is trying to, you know, dive into my soul and find my purpose. And I've been, you know, I've been reading, I've been listening to people talk, I've been seeking inspiration from all over. But, you know, it's, you know, at times I'm just like, far out, I can't, like, who cares? Like, just, I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying my job. I'm enjoying having these conversations with Michael and these amazing people, like perhaps that's my purpose right now. And, and you know, that's the perspective of understanding that being present and, and, you know, getting a person, it sounds selfish, but getting a personal enjoyment out of, you know, these conversations and the day-to-day life of work and, and my relationship with my partner. It's, I think that that's come to sort of the answer of what my purpose is right now in my life is, is that. And, I know I've spoken to Michael a lot about it and finding my purpose and, and looking for it. And I've tried to throw words of wisdom at Muff as well. And, you know, at the same time, but then, you know, I, I think from memory, just chaining, going slightly off center here with Muff, I remember recently like talking about the purpose of your life and, you know, you were, you were stressing about some work and things. And I said to you, you know, find the, the good and the bad and have a think about those on a really deep level. And then, we spoke maybe two weeks later and, and, and I was like, oh, how, how'd you go with that? And you're like, mate, to be honest, I haven't even looked at it yet. But that, you know, like if I was really harping on it, I would have been like, come on, mate, what are you doing? But I knew that that was where you were at. And, you know, it's it's really cool to see from my side of things that that, yeah, I don't know, it's that some true to me, Asha. I appreciate that. It's, I'm trying to I'm trying to piece all of this incredible information that you're, you're putting out on a plate together because it's there's so much that I could dive into and, and so much that I just want to ask a hundred questions. I know we don't have time to, <laughs> to do let's that. Just, let's just keep weaving and, and the stuff that comes out is the stuff that's meant to come out. But I loved what you said earlier, the first stuff that, that came out when you were talking about purpose because mm. purpose is just doing what you love. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Like, yeah. you know, and sometimes that can be a bit inconvenient because it's not the thing which brings you the things that you think you need, like, mm. you know, money and all these things. Like, you know, I, I look around at my own life now and, you know, I live in a much more modest surroundings and the, 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 the bank balance is nowhere near what it used to be, but I'm on my purpose, like, you know, um, and, and that's all I need to know, you know, um, 
and and it's just simply following what you love find what you love and let it kill you basically um and yeah yeah but there's you you, you talked about looking in your soul and that's the right place because your purpose is not outside of you mm. your, your purpose is etched on your soul you've just got to get in and find the tools to actually be able to um read what it says and it's very unique instructions you know it's not like um we say oh i want to be somebody it's like no 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 you, the, the instructions on your soul is very specific it's not anybody it's you need to become you yeah it's you know like to 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 dive into that a little bit i guess i um you know i so so liam and i are both you know very vocal supporters of um of people seeking professional help for their for their mental health and and you know something and like i've been uh you know visiting with a fair amount of consistency a psychologist for the last like three years and and i have taken the approach to it as like a proactive sort of thing so not like going to visit when you're in the deepest darkest hole and feeling awful it's just sort of like a good objective check-in basically and i recently just started with with a new psychologist so we're kind of you know doing the whole get to know you thing and and just sort of like going off on these rants unlike not unlike what we do on this podcast so i should have sent her a few episodes and she'll know exactly what to do um but her and and talking about this like you know what where i think that this anxiety and this stress is coming from around this like level of fulfillment that i'm expecting to get to and that i want to get to and she she kind of like not you know not forcefully but very gently and very cleverly the way that they do but was basically like i feel like you you see yourself as quite a like a I don't want to say like forward and progressive amongst other things, but like see yourself one way, but you're actually kind of like feeling and and putting out some of these pretty old school sort of patriarchal old school sort of things of like, Oh, you, what you need to provide and you need this and you need this level of fulfillment and stuff. And I was kind of taken a bit aback by it because, you know, like I, it's not something that I ever thought, I guess I was like, or stuff that I really subscribed to, but recognizing that and going like oh wow i'm kind of hung up Mm. on this i guess maybe superficial might be the right word i'm not really sure but no it's a really interesting point man i I, it's hard to like be called on that stuff and recognize mm, that that is kind of you a little bit realize that you've just been doing a wonderful impression of yourself your whole life Um, there's there's, um yeah no and that's that's part of the journey you know when, when you start doing this soul work and you allow yourself to kind of go down and and descend and and start to get into the into the shit so to speak um the person that you meet down there um is often a real stranger to you mm. like your own self is a real strange and it might be that they have much more conservative values than you thought you did and, and all the and oftentimes it's very inconvenient because you know maybe your purpose is something other than what you're doing now and it's actually not even something that you quote unquote want but mm. your heart wants it your soul wants it and you know that you have to you know which is crazy um yeah it's crazy you know it, it's it's most of us spend our lives just trying to make a good impression in other people you know to get what we want yeah from the ex- external world and yeah. we've, we've we've actually lost touch with who we really are you know i start with with most guys and i say you know what are your values mm. and you know unless you've done a lot of work and you guys appear to have done a bit of work but you know, the things that people trot out are generally not 
not their values, their society's values or their parents' mm. values or, mm. or cool values. People like to say authenticity, mm. you know, or, or some sort of word which makes people think of them a certain way. And, yeah. you know, you've got to get deeper and listen to your own voice. It's an interesting point. I, I want to jump perhaps using that as a, as a little segue into the work with your warrior within um, mm. and identifying the values to begin with. I, I'm interested to know how many or how often the values that people write down or, or say on day one, how often they remain the same by the end of the time that they they spend with you. Yeah, not not often. Mm, wow. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, look, it's interesting because, I mean, even your corporate workplace in a lot of cases has its own values. Sure. You know, and you're spending most of your waking hours there. You tend to kind of get somewhat um, hijacked. Yeah by what's going on in the external world. You know, I've literally worked with guys before who've literally written out their company values. Wow. All of them. <laughs> and then looked at them and gone, oh, fuck. Yeah. I have yeah. no idea who I am. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, you, you're right. You know, um, I, I have this, um, it's kind of like a meditation and it's not mine. So um, I, I'm definitely giving thanks to the person that gave me this like, this sort of practice, mm. but to sit down with your values. Mm sit down with them as if like a Jedi council, you know, and literally, and literally kind of let them speak. Mm. And, you know, it, it's just really nice to hear their voice and to hear what they've got to say and how you're showing up in the world, you know, like, you know, okay. So if one of them's authenticity, it's like, let authenticity speak. And it's like, you know, well, you know, I'm not giving you a pass mark this month and that's okay. Let's look at that, you know, um, or maybe, you know, you have to switch the team. Maybe one of those values is no longer the, even the right word because you've got to get very precise. And remember, when I say authenticity, I've just thrown out a value which means completely different things to all three of us. Yeah, yeah. So don't worry about what other... other it's got to be your word that's precise to you and the meaning is your meaning. Mm. You know, like if I say I love you, I mean something very different from the person who says I love you back because it's based on their experiences and their, their, their understandings of that world and their, everything else, you know, mm. words are just noises we make with our mouths. Um, they're not very, not the perfect tool for effective communication. The, the, I love you concept is a, it's a one that we have, have learned and are still learning to, to use as a, as a male. And, and one thing we, we really push is this, the telling your friends you love them on a, on a deep, proper meaning as opposed to, you know, having 10 beers and wrapping your arm around their neck and telling them you love them, you know, trying to, yeah, get that vulnerability and that openness to be able to have these, that to say those three words, you know, we talk about as men that, that, that I love you being the stigma around, you know, when you're going to say it to the girl for the first time or, your, you know, your, your partner for the first time. Mm. Um, but you stereotypically it's not the three words are the hardest words for men to say to each other. Um, no, I agree. And, and, you know, oftentimes, I mean, and also we, we, we use love so casually in, in, in modern yeah. day lexicon, you yeah. know, I can say, I love my son. Yeah. I can say, I love the footy. Yeah. And they're two very different things with the same word. So when you use the word, I love you, you also have to think about the level of language that you're using it with, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm telling my girlfriend that I love her for the first time, but like the footy, or, or like a human being. Yeah, yeah. Which how do you 
how do you interpret that? Yeah, exactly right. So there's there's all sorts of levels and all sorts of layers um, in it, you know, and it comes back to how we speak to ourselves as well. I am um, at the risk of uh, forcing myself to be sent an invoice because I feel like I've just got a warrior within <laughs> session for nothing on the podcast, Asha. I um, I'm curious about with that experience, which I can only, which I have to imagine, it, it being your purpose is something that you do find incredibly fulfilling, and and it is you know obviously such worthwhile work and something that you know that, that Murph and I definitely believe to be worthwhile work is is you know men in particular working on understanding themselves at a more you know meaningful level and, and being open and honest with themselves and being willing to be vulnerable in those sessions or in those in that work that you do what is your sort of takeaway on a personal level like what do you feel yourself getting getting from those experiences ah oh, not an easy so question much. to answer no I'm no it's, it's because I, it's just difficult to know to where, where to even begin um i mean you know, we're all on this journey together as men, you know, it's not like I'm in there teaching and that, that I know everything. Like I, I've, I've learned so much about my life just from, just from this work, you know? Um, so for me, you know, having that sense of brotherhood and, 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 and receiving that, that kind of medicine and healing medicine, which brotherhood brings and which so many men haven't really touched has been pivotal to my whole life. I, you know, I don't even know what my life would look like if I hadn't um, been doing this work. Mm. You know, I wonder, you know, I wonder if I'd even be here sometimes, mm. you know, I've, I've been, I've, I've been in some pretty low places and um, yeah, I think it's kind of kept me together. Like it's that fundamental. Yeah. So, you know, what do I get out of it? Like everything. And, and, and it's really just an inquiry. Like I'm happy to, you know, set, I'm happy to kind of be there to kind of, I guess, help navigate some of the territory, but it's not like I, I know the territory either. Um, like I often say, um, I don't have any of the answers, but, you know, I might have a few better questions. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, to a certain extent, that's exactly the experience for Liam and I as well is, you know, us being able to have, you know, these sorts of conversations and making time to have like a, and a concerted effort at having a a meaningful conversation. And, and even for the fact of being able to jump on with someone that you just meet, you know, we, we have said it since day one, we are just constantly blown away by how willing people are to be. And even people that may be far less practiced in, in, in this side of things than yourself, you know, if it's, you know, talking to, AFL players or musicians or whatever it is and people just you know if you make space for it people are willing and take a lot and from from having conversations like this and and from you know just being willing to be open and vulnerable and Liam and I in the exact you know in the same vein as yourself we get so much from these too you know these are so fulfilling for us it's such a we get to the end of every single one of these chats and we just go I'm filled up. I'm full. Yeah. (laughs) And you guys are really good at it, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's a skill, you know, it's a skill to be able to engage and, you know, um, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of a, um, a poet, storyteller, philosopher called David White. Um, and he's one of my, you know, I have a few people who I track very closely and, and he's definitely one of them, but he talks about, um, 
the ability to make contact, hmm. you know, which, which is different from just having a chat or doing, you know, it's like what you're doing on these podcasts is making contact with other human beings, you know, and you can already feel just in that language that it's different. Yeah. There's a bit more gravity behind that. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just connecting at a, at, at a, at a fundamentally deep level of humanness, you know, which we actually very rarely do. You know, when I, when I look someone in the eyes and I can honestly say, you know, I see you, you know, and I'm here to make contact with this deeper part of yourself. And I'm willing to offer the deeper part of myself in order to do that. Mm. And um, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's not like I have to, how can I say it? It's like, sometimes if someone's not treating you well or they're behaving in a certain aggressive way or something, you have, it takes you a couple of steps to say, Oh, well, they're probably doing that because of experiences. And so therefore, you know, yeah. so therefore, you know, they're doing the best they can and you have this sort of conversation with yourself and then you relax a little and, and mm. you, 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 you allow for that. When you, when you're making contact with somebody that, that part's already happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you just, yeah, it's you. like your heart just automatically assumes all, all that. Um, it's not an assumption. It's it's the way it is. Yeah. And um and so it's like yep okay and and you're moving. You're it's not even a thing. You're already past that, and that's how you make contact with somebody. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's just yeah very um, it's hard hit. It's hard hitting language because it yeah it makes you really think about like stop and reflect on relationships and and how you know for me i'm right now i'm thinking about how i am as a man and a male to and what i can do to be better as a human being um and then as a male second and um yeah asha you've i'm, I'm grinning sort of i'm into you grinning because i've i i feel like i could just sit here and and listen to you talk for another 28 hours and then go and have a drink break and come back and go again it's um <laughs> you've blown me away asher and uh I, i'm i'm mindful Asher. i know you've got a, a class to to jump into shortly so uh we might maybe press pause on on the conversation now in in hope that we can catch up again in in the future and hopefully in person and perhaps um touch on a few a few more things uh further down the track mate it's it's been an absolute absolute pleasure to to sit and and chat with you and and connect with you mate and um yeah very very humbled well thanks for having me guys it's been a pleasure and uh, you know I'd, I'd absolutely love to come back if you'd if you'd have me again it's, i'd love to continue continue the journey once a week 100 <laughs> percent. gonna put my therapist on hold Chat to Asher instead. No, not at all. No, Asher, yeah, mirror Murph sentiment completely. What just what an awesome conversation. I am very much looking forward to uh listening back and yeah, just going to town in my journal <laughs> at the end of this one, which is always a good sign. So yeah, thanks again, mate. Super appreciate it. For everybody uh, listening out there, we're very grateful for all of your support of the Men of Words podcast and Please remember that the little conversations can make the biggest differences. 